episode three, you never know who's going to sit next to you. In the last episode, Camino Man said goodbye to his early travelling companions as he recovered from a foot injury while waiting in Bilbao. After a few days, he decides to hit the road again with no idea of what will happen or whom he will meet. Day 11, Portugalete to Anton, 18 kilometres. I set out from Bilbao Central Hostel early and caught the metro back to Portugalete. I was a little lost at first. I saw some peregrinos walking in what I thought was the wrong direction, and as I looked around, an old man looked at me and pointed me in the right direction. And soon enough, I saw the signs and arrows, and I was pacing along a cycleway beside the main road out of town. I remember catching up to him, passing a rather large group of older women. It was obvious they were peregrinos. Buen camino, ladies! They looked at me and smiled and waved, and I kept walking. Soon enough, I was away from the city and back into the countryside. My goal for that day was to walk to a sleepy seaside town called Pobena. But as I got there early, about 11am, and my foot was feeling okay, I continued on the boardwalk along the beach, across a bridge and up a surprisingly long and steep set of steps, taking me away from the beach, but staying on the coast. On the way, I met Franz from Holland, we walked together along the coastline high above the sea, along the trackbed of a former rail line that serviced an old iron ore mine. There were people out and about checking out the remains of the mine, but I didn't recognise any of them. It was overcast, and my new plan was to get to the private albergue in Anton. As my pace was faster, I left Franz behind. I would meet him again, as you do on the Camino. See you later, Steve! I thought that Anton in Cantabria would be a good distance for me to cover that day. It was a small village in the hills inland from the coast and it was the spot where the way branched between the long way and the short way. The long way went inland along quieter roads and the short way stayed close to the coast. How did I know about the fork? Well, it was in the guidebook and it was written on the road. <laughs> As I approached the fork in the way, I somehow got involved in a conversation between two people, an older, taller, distinguished-looking man and a younger, shorter, beautiful woman, both French. And this is the strange thing. I don't remember them speaking French. I'm sure they were speaking French. It's just I don't speak French, but... Somehow I invited myself into their conversation because there was something about that woman that was instantly attractive. Apparently I said something along the lines of, where's the albergue? I'm going to the albergue. It was a huge suggestion that they, especially the woman, join me. She didn't. Violette, that was her name, continued on the way, on the long way. Alan, that was his name, joined me walking to the Albergue to Camino de Anton. There must have been a sign advertising the albergue somewhere along the way, as it wasn't listed in my guidebook. Unfortunately, the albergue was closed, so Alan and I sat outside and chatted. It had been an overcast day, but now it looked like it was going to rain. Giuseppe, the owner, poked his head around the corner of the albergue. Are you waiting for the albergue? Yes, I don't open to 2 p.m. Uh, that, that, that's all right, we can wait. Alan and I were the first two people there. Giuseppe looked at us. Ah, it's okay. I can open now. And he did. An hour early. 
We checked in, paying to stay and have dinner, had showers, changed clothes and sat at the dining room table. It was a small albergue with a few different dormitories. A few other people arrived and joined us at the table. Giuseppe looked at us. Have you had lunch? No. Are you hungry? Yes. Yeah, I cook something for you. And he did. Spanish eggs in a tomato base for a donation. Alain and I talked and ate and at some time Violette appeared. Ah, Steve, you don't remember. Violette? Alain wasn't interested in lunch and I was sitting next to you and we had lunch together and talked and talked. It had started raining. And Violette had turned back, checked into the albergue and sat next to me. I don't think we moved all afternoon and into the evening, except to go to the bathroom or to get a beer. How much for the beer, Giuseppe? Uh, donation, one euro. Now, the group of older women, French women from Bethany, that I had passed earlier in the day and arrived at, at the Albergue. There was Nicole. It was her birthday, and we would all sing her happy birthday later that night in our own languages. And then there was Marie, 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 Kristen, Marie, and Marie. Also, there were three other people from the Czech Republic and others, probably France, including a, a middle-aged German woman, Veronica, and her 29-year-old daughter, Sarah, who arrived late. Giuseppe said he only had one bed left. Uh, do, you, do you mind sleeping together? We don't care. We need to stay here tonight. They were desperate for that bed. Giuseppe smiled. Later, he brought out a fold-out bed for Sarah. But what I remember most from that night was the woman who sat next to me, Violette, who didn't leave my side. Or was that I didn't leave her side? You know when you meet someone and you just seem to click? There was something amazingly attractive about what she said and how she said it. And several times during the afternoon and night, she had me turning my head to look at her, to really look at her. Who was this woman? I don't remember too much else about that night other than asking Alain and Violette. They'd seen the YouTube clip of the weasel with the English voiceover. You know, is that Alan? Alan! 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 Hang on, that's not Alan! It's Steve! 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 I smiled. It enhanced my reputation as the crazy Australian that and how I kept saying bonjour Nicole to the birthday girl in that strange, outrageous Steve Martin French accent from the Pink Panther. And once again, I had chosen the wrong bunk. It was too close to the bathroom. Would I ever learn? Day 12. Entente to Laredo. 39 kilometres. Alain got up and left the albergue early the next day. I still don't know how it happened, but that night or in the morning I made friends with Veronica and Sarah, and together with Violette we started walking, the short way, initially slightly inland and slightly in the rain, until we turned to the coast with its rural lushness and beaches and reached Castro Odiales. We stopped for breakfast at a local cafe near the church of Santa Maria de la Asuncion, an impressive Gothic church at the end of the first beach. By the time we reached the far end of the second beach, it seemed like every coastal Spanish town had two beaches. We were walking in brilliant sunshine, and after again slightly taking the wrong turn, my fault, and getting directions from a local, we walked past the local bullfighting ring with Alain. 
Alan, how did you get here? I joined you at the cafe, Steve. You did? Really? Really? I took the long way and caught up to you. Okay. There were discussions about which way to go from here as Veronica checked her guidebook, Sarah checked her phone, Alan checked his phone. Violet smiled and I snapped a photo of all of them. We headed for the Adelberga at Adelponteron, only to find it had closed for renovations. Who closes their alberga at the start of the season? We could have gone further inland, but we opted to stick closer to the main road and not the coast. According to my guidebook, it was a sort of middle of three routes and a lot shorter than the official route that turned inland. We continued on the side of a main road over the river and up the hill, heading for the next alberga which was 2.5 kilometres down the hill on the shores of the river where it met the sea, away from the main road. When we got to the top, Veronica took one look at where the albergue was. Steve, I am not walking 2.5 kilometres down the hill, only to have to walk back up the hill the next day. It was a compelling argument. We continued on. I found my rhythm walking and surged ahead because I really needed to find somewhere for a toilet break and I wasn't doing it on the side of the main road. I found a spot and we found our way to Liendo, a small town with an albergue de peregrinos that was, when we got there, had only two spare beds, and there were five of us. I suggested we get taxis to Laredo, uh, the next town, and everyone agreed. The two guys who arrived after us while we were waiting for the taxis, one of them being Jesus, not my Jesus from back home, but another Jesus, more about him later, and who had walked the long way, were really pleased we did. The taxis delivered us to the front door of a monastery operated by the Trinitarian nuns. After some time, an old, rounded nun slowly walked out from a dark room, met us, took our money, stamped our credentials and allocated beds. Violette got a bed in the second dormitory. Sarah was somewhere else in the monastery, and Alain, Veronica and I got a little three-bedroom room near the second dormitory. We all showered and walked to a local bar and met a few other pilgrims who joined us for dinner. Alain bought a few extra bottles of red wine to go with our set menu dinner. I feel it is my job, Steve, being a Frenchman, to educate you about wine. It seemed like a good idea to me. It was a good night, and I seemed to speak with just about everybody at the dinner table except Violette. We got back to the monastery just in time. You had to be back by 10pm or you didn't get in. Or you had to shimmy up the outside of the building and look for an open window. We got ready for bed. Violette and I seemed to just meet, and we sat and talked for a while. And you gave me a footer-up. Yes, I did. It was a very good footer-up. I like your feet. We smiled. We hugged. We smiled and she went to the entrance to her dormitory at the other end of the dining room. She turned. I was still watching. We smiled. Good night. Good night. I was happy. I lay in my bed with my hands behind my head and fell asleep until I heard Veronica urging Alan to fake him up, fake him up. Apparently, I was snoring. Oh, well. I rolled over, smiled and went back to sleep. Day 13. Laredo to El Gueras. 12 kilometres.
In the morning, we walked along the beach at Laredo, a long, sweeping, wide expanse of sand at low tide. It was overcast and a little wet, but as we made our way to the other end of the beach and another ferry crossing, it got brighter and sunnier. We stopped for coffee at a cafe in Santana on the other side, and soon enough, Jesus appeared from across the water. He had walked from Liendo, and rather than a cafe con leche like us, he was having una cerveza grande. In fact, he had another as we were leaving. Our way took us through the town and out to the coast. There were other ways to go, but no one mentioned them. We liked the coast, we followed the arrows. Alana and I walked together past a long, high wall, which we realised later was a prison. It soon gave way to the beach, and a bad place for a prison. And what a beach. It reminded me of Australian beaches, and soon enough a number of surf schools sponsored by prominent Australian surfing brands popped up beside us. We had to walk up and around the headlands, so we waited for, for Veronica, Sarah and Violette to join us. We took photos and then struggled down through the undergrowth, stopping at the next beach. It was sunny. It was beautiful. And we were in no hurry to be anywhere. Ah, this reminds me of Pitani. I must swim. And Alan did. The rest of us joked about it as he swam. And I did some sort of slow motion dance past the women on the beach. The crazy Australian was on the beach and having fun. We waited and enjoyed the sunshine. We were walking to El Gueras that day. And we were pleasantly surprised when we arrived there at the end of another long beach. It was a sleepy coastal holiday town and there was a group of young school children squealing and having fun at the albergue. We settled in and I bought large draft beers for everyone and got something to eat. We bumped into Domenica, a largish younger woman from Slovenia who I had met at Irun and again at Lienda. We were having lunch and she lit a cigarette. I was just about to ask her if she could stop smoking while we were having lunch when Violette asked her to stop. A woman after my own heart. After lunch, we decided to walk into Noha, the next town, and buy something for dinner, something to share. I stopped to withdraw some money from an ATM inside one of those rooms at a bank. Violette came in with me. I was stunned. Not that she walked in with me, but that I couldn't work the ATM properly. Steve, have you put in your card? <laughs> no. I put in my car, withdrew some money, turned around and looked at her. She was gorgeous. She smiled. I stepped closer to her, held her, and slowly and gently kissed her. She returned my kiss. We smiled at each other and then gradually left that little booth and joined the others at the supermarket. I can't remember what we bought. When we got back to the Adelberge, we were chatting outside and I was trying to get access to the Wi-Fi without success. Four Australians, Peter, Laurie, Liz, whom I'd met earlier that day on the beach, and a second woman arrived at the Adelberge and none of us could connect to the Wi-Fi. I noticed that Violette had disappeared. So I went looking for her and found her in her, our dormitory upstairs. We didn't speak. We just kissed.
furtively at first and then passionately. The sound of someone coming up the stairs finally separated us. It was Veronica. Did she see us? I don't think so. But, well, I was giddy with the excitement of being with this beautiful French woman. I realised later that Violette had sent me messages on WhatsApp and I hadn't seen them because I couldn't get access to the Wi-Fi. We'd obviously swapped numbers before this and we were obviously on the same wavelength as I found her without the messages. That night, I remember having beers downstairs and going for a walk with everyone on the beach. Jesus was there. He had caught up. Did not alarm and the let's go for a walk? Anyway, I wanted to head back and Sarah wanted to go out. She did with Jesus and I headed back to our room and wanted to see Violet. We had adjoining top bunks and well when it came to say goodnight we gave each other a very good night quietly. Veronica and Alan were asleep in the room. Sarah wasn't back. I wasn't worried. She was 29 had studied and lived in America and well she was with Jesus. What could happen? I woke up later to the sound of whispered voices. Veronica was distressed and Alain was going in and out of the room. I listened and found out that Sarah had been walking along the beach and fell over on some rocks, cutting her legs. Alain calmed Veronica and soon enough Sarah joined Veronica and there were a few more whispered conversations. I kept quiet and went back to sleep. Day 14. El Guérez to Guémez, 18 kilometres. In the morning, again, Alain left before us. We had agreed to head to Guemes in the famous albergue on the hill run by Father Ernesto and his volunteers. It was a beautiful morning. The way went inland, the sunshine was bright, and I was walking with Violette, Veronica and Sarah along country roads through quiet country towns and refilling our water bottles at one of the many pilgrim water fountains along the way. Violette and I were soon walking on our own. I think Veronica and Sarah had some talking to do, but it didn't take long until they joined us. The day was warm and soon we were walking through fields with no arrows and I thought we needed to go right. It looked like a beaten path. It wasn't the right way. And I learned that if in doubt, continue straight ahead. We stopped for lunch and a drink, a Radler for me. Violette had converted me to this low alcohol citrus flavoured beer that was similar to summer ale back home. We continued on the side of the road. It was a hilly walk, and Sarah was guiding us via an app or something on her phone. The Adelbergue wasn't in town, you had to take an alternate route to get there. Of course, it had to be at the top of a hill, so it was a relief to finally get there. Accommodation, dinner and breakfast were all by a donation. Alain had arrived earlier and was in a different dormitory. I was placed in a dorm with Violette and Veronica and several other people, including an Austrian man and his daughter. How could I forget him? He snored loudly throughout the night, and the next morning when I asked Veronica how she had slept, thinking he must have woken her, she replied, Yeah, good, Steve. Good, good sleep. Hang on, my snoring woke you in Laredo, but that freight train didn't? Well, that afternoon, I got some washing done and joined Violette, who was lying on the grass in the sun. We talked, and she told me that she was only walking as far as Santander, and then flying home from there on the Sunday. It was Thursday, and we would arrive in Santander tomorrow. I decided that I would stay an extra day in Santander with her if she was okay with that. She was. Now, 
that night and every night, you didn't get dinner at the Adelberg until you heard from Father Ernesto. He was famous for his talk about his time working as a priest in South America. Basically, he was a liberation theology priest. He probably didn't understand it as such, but he explained that he couldn't minister to people when they lived in poor housing and bad sanitary conditions and suffered from the lack of good fresh food and little to no education. He talked of three principles he pursued in the little village on the top of the mountain, which were basically about helping the locals to build community by helping them to help themselves build better housing, to improve public amenities and to provide education. It was his message to the pilgrims that he hoped they would spread further, to build a Camino community, to simply help each other. There were 84 people there that night and Father Ernesto's talk was translated from Spanish to English and French. He said the talk normally took an hour, but as there were so many people there that night, he would cut it short. It still took an hour. Anyway, it was great sitting and sharing dinner with so many different people. Franz from Holland was there. Hello, Steve! And the three people from the Czech Republic. They didn't say much. Well, not to me. I sat at the head of that table with Violet on my right and Jesus on my left. It was a simple meal with wine and dessert, and it was satisfying. Day 15, Guemes de Santander, 18 kilometres. In the morning, I was having breakfast with Violet when a young woman interrupted me. Um, excuse me, but are you Steve? Yes, I am. How did you know? I am a friend of Lydia. She's talked about you and described you and said you might be here and to say hello. Well, the crazy Australian strikes again. Sophie from Canada and Lydia from Slovenia were ahead of me on the way. Sophie was following me on Instagram and I was following her and we were messaging each other where, where we were in the hope that we would catch up somewhere. I forgot the young woman's name, but I did meet up with her later that day on the beach. She was having a problem with one of her needs, but still hoping to catch up to Lydia from Slovenia and other friends at Oviedo to walk the Camino Primitivo. Apparently, this is regarded as the first pilgrimage route and is 300 kilometres through rugged countryside over the mountains. As I got ready to leave that day, Sarah looked at me and asked if we, meaning Violette and I, were coming. Her mum wanted to leave. I said that I was walking with Violette, who was having problems with her feet. Blisters. Sarah smiled. She knew about Violette and I. She and her mum left. I wouldn't see her or Veronica again. That day, Violette and made our way along the road towards the coast with the Czechers, as she called them, the three people from the Czech Republic. We got ahead of them when they stopped for morning tea. It was hard going for Violette with her feet, but it wasn't long before we were walking along cliff-edge paths and descending down to a long sweeping beach at Somo, just before Santander. Franz from Holland and an Italian guy had just finished having a swim. Violette and I looked at each other, smiled, changed into our swimmers between some rocks and hit the water. Well, the crazy Australian showed her how, in Australia, we run into the surf at full speed and dive into the water. <gasps> it was freezing. As I submerged myself trying to acclimatise, she slowly edged her way in. We play around for a while. I noticed the checkers arrive and disappear between the rocks until they reappeared, striding into the water without any swimmers on. I wasn't that brave. In fact, Violette now turned the tables on me as she was having a great time in the water and I was the one who was cold. 
We packed up and slowly walked along the long, sweeping beach of Somo, past holidaymakers and people enjoying a surfing lesson. Just past the surf house was the dock where you could catch the ferry for a five-kilometre ride across the harbour into Santander. I took my favourite photo of Violette on the ferry. It was an attempted selfie with my little camera that you can't use to take selfies, but which captured her eyes peeking over my shoulder. Her eyes are amazing. We got into Santander and got some lunch at the La Mona Tapas Bar that had a fantastic menu del dia. There was pisto, manchego, el pescado, and ensalada. Ah, oh, this is so good! Uh, calabacines, rolenos, bistec con patatas, and two fantastic desserts. Three Spanish women lunching at another table asked if I was an old school friend. Now, they say everyone has a doppelganger, but Spanish, Steve? Anyway. I thanked her, said no, but posed for a photograph with them before I left. Violette and I found the albergue de peregrinos, showered, shared a brief moment together, and headed out to meet Alain for dinner. Along the way, Violette bought me a pair of scissors. She had noticed that I was always borrowing scissors at the albergue to cut the dressing and tape for my feet. I developed other blisters, and I was still padding my problem area on the ball of my left foot. I love those scissors. We met up with Alan in a town square where an orchestra was playing. Spain, <laughs> you are amazing. We had just missed the dancers, but we stayed. We listened to the orchestra, then talked to and thanked some of the players when they finished. And then Alan found a restaurant for us to eat at. And uh, drink wine, Steve. And drink wine. He certainly had a knack of finding great cafes and picking a good wine to go with different foods. We strolled back towards our albergue and stopped for an ice cream with Alain before saying goodnight. Violette and I had to be back at 10pm or we would be locked out. Alain was staying at a hotel and the female manager of the albergue was waiting to close up when Violette and I got back. The manager reminded us that everyone had to leave in the morning by 8am. Day 16. Santander. 8 a.m.? Well, the loud music playing from the speakers in the dormitory started before that. Some people were up and out, but not Violette and I. We got our things together and headed out, not knowing where we were going or what we were doing for the day. As we walked back down to the harbour for coffee, apparently I suggested we hire bikes and go bike riding. There were those city bikes available, but searching online, Violette found a business where we can hire mountain bikes for the day. The problem was, we just couldn't find their office. It was near the train station. We looked everywhere except where it was, even while Violette was on the phone to the owner until we finally found it. Touri bikes. We were so close and yet they let us store our gear there and we headed out on the bikes. Hiring them was such a good idea. We rode around the northern beaches of Santander, past one harbour beach after another until we got to the coastal beaches. The weather was stunning. People were enjoying the sunshine. People were frolicking on the beach, splashing the water, even fishing. Apparently there was is a new alternative coastal route for the Camino del Norte. So we tried to find it, but it wasn't marked or signed in any way. What we did find were more wonderful beaches, little villages, and then a car park full of cars in what seemed to be the middle of nowhere. There was a tavern, so we stopped for lunch. And Eradla? 
and glanced at the beach. There was a small sandy beach between rocks where two creeks meet the sea. There were lifeguards and even a gentle wave you could surf. So I jumped in and did a little body surfing and enticed Violette into the water. It was cold, but not as cold as the day before. We relaxed on the beach for a while before getting onto the bikes and hitting the path again. Violette was keen to get off-road and do a little mountain biking, but I failed miserably, crashing into a rock and falling off. So it was back to the road and cycling as far along the coast as we could until it was time to turn back. We had fun finding our way back, getting lost, asking for directions, riding fast, checking Google Maps, and then being exactly where we wanted to be. Well, Violette was responsible for the, the directions. We returned the bikes and caught the ferry back to Somo. We stayed there that night, enjoying dinner at this great Hawaiian-themed hotel, the Casa del Surf. It was a wonderful day. It was such a wonderful moment.